Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. You know, today's show is specifically dedicated to investors that want to have a position in the most valuable resource in the world, water. Uh, most investors in the natural resource space are not aware of the global challenges we face demographically regarding water and how to have a position in water rights. Here to discuss this very critical topic is the founder, president, and CEO of Water Fund LLC, Mr. Scott Rickards. Mr. Rickards, thank you for joining us today, sir. Thanks, Maurice. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, Mr. Rickards, your company, Water Fund LLC, is the preeminent name when it comes to water. For the listeners that have no background regarding the challenges of the global supply and demand for water, can you please provide a macro analysis? Sure, uh, and, and that's, that's a great starting point, uh, Maurice, for, for thinking about water. Um, the number one thing that has mystified investors and analysts when it comes to the subject of water uh, has been its value. What is it actually worth uh, and how do you measure that? Uh, so as an investment company, our starting point was to figure that out. Uh, what, what's a dollar value we can attach to a, a unit of water uh, and how can we do that in as many different places around the world as possible? Uh, and then once we establish that, how do we uh, what, you know, what's the best investment strategy that follows from uh, um, uh, from those numbers? Uh, so the first thing we did was uh, partner with IBM to create a, a financial index for water uh, in hundreds of cities around the world. Um, we know the value of water in London, in Singapore, in New York, uh, in Miami. Uh, and what this tells us, uh, what the data has revealed, is that the cost of water uh, almost everywhere uh, exceeds the, the price or the tariff that's charged for it. Uh, so this is the fundamental issue facing investors. This has been the big barrier to private investment in water. Uh, it's been that for private investors, because it's a subsidized industry, it, it simply isn't that profitable. Um, now, in the countries and in the places where uh, the, the proper um, value is charged for the water, there's some tremendous opportunities to invest. Uh, and so our job uh, at Water Fund is to find those and uh, bring those to the market. So, um, so that's what we've been doing. Um, and it, as it turns out, uh, there are some opportunities in, in the U.S., uh, but primarily we've targeted actually industrial water and um, a lot of um, uh, a lot of countries in the Middle East where we, we do get a, a very good price for for water. So that's been um, our focus, uh, and that's but it's taken a, really a global uh, search to um, uh, to come up with those answers so far. Uh, and so we're currently invested in a variety of water uh, rights and water supply projects around the world where we think that that price is uh, is right. So that's what we've been doing. So in essence, you've more or less created what I would call a spot price for water. Is that correct in that assumption? Uh, correct. Uh, now, water, it's in, you say the word spot. Uh, it's interesting because in the in the water world, um, you know, it's similar to um, other commodities. Uh, the, the water we own is sold on uh, long-term contracts. So we like to, uh, it's, it's one of the things, you know, any, any investor likes when they invest in water. Um, and so the to the extent there's a, a spot market. I can say that for for a number of our assets, there there are some spot sales of water. But in general, um, you know, like natural gas, for example, uh, that's how that's generally how our our water um, offtake agreements are structured. Okay. Uh, with that being said, can you share with the listeners 
the supply and demand fundamentals regarding water and discussing aquifers and just the depletion of reservoirs. Sure. Well, it's the, the starting point for anyone is always that the volume of water in the world never changes. Uh, so, you know, whether whether it's in uh, in aquifers, oceans, clouds, rivers, lakes, wherever it is, uh, in total, it never changes on a global basis. Uh, so what, what's happened uh, and, and this is this is where the opportunities lie, is that in the population centers, uh, so the, the major cities of the world, uh, they have run out of their cheapest and nearest sources of water, uh, clean water. So that's the um, that's been the the infrastructure challenge. It has been the uh, um, the water supply challenge. It has been how do those major cities that have uh, you know grown from a million to ten million in the last twenty years, how do they uh, maintain a uh, abundant supply of fresh water for that many people when all of the nearest sources have, have, have run out in, in a lot of cases. Uh, Sao Paulo is an example of that. Uh, Cairo is an example. Um, the, you know, even, even a city like Detroit, which has plenty of water, um, they have old infrastructure. So in cases where the water supply is still abundant, you have a lot of aging cities that have infrastructure that needs to be replaced. Um, so there, there are a lot of different challenges but I'd say um, from a from a macro point of view the the number one starting point is that the, the major cities uh, are really running out of those cheapest and nearest sources of water with that being said since the cheapest sources of water per se are not available what options are there for resolving that matter uh, well that's and, that, and that's where uh, things get interesting and that's where the uh, investment opportunities lie um, uh, and, and that's exactly the question all investors should be uh, should be asking themselves when it comes to water. Uh, the alternatives are everything from you know where it depends on your water supply situation wherever you are, of course. But if you um, if you're near an aquifer uh, and that aquifer is has been depleted, um, you know there there's technology to recharge aquifers, um, and that's been tried in, in a lot of different places with some success. Um, there's a lot of different uh, desalination technology out there um, that's, you know, some of which has been around for decades, some of which is, is brand new uh, and could potentially uh, lower the cost of um, taking the salt out of water. Uh, so that's, that's an area where Water Fund in particular um, has a number of investments. Um, and uh, you know, there are all kinds of new membranes out there that for, for water treatment um, that are other ways to take you know, dirty water which is uh, increasingly what you have near our largest cities um, uh, to produce fresh water. So um, yeah, there, there, there are quite a number of technologies out there. The challenge, Maurice, is that these technologies are generally pretty expensive. And when you're dealing uh, in what's generally regarded as a quasi-public good, um, you know, there's, there isn't, you don't have the, the funding uh, to go out and, and really try something new. Uh, so the city of you know Austin, Texas, for example, um, even though they're they're a leader in many ways in, um, uh, in in different water technologies, they haven't they just don't have the budget. You know, a relatively well-funded city does not have the budget to go out and um, really try some cutting-edge technology. So that's that's been the the problem in, in the water business. Uh, there are a lot of breakthroughs that are at our fingertips, but for lack of uh, you know, well-capitalized uh, water utilities, they haven't really been tried um, in the mass market. Uh, and so I, I think um, the only thing that's going to change that will be a change in how water is priced and um, what companies and 
retail consumers pay for water. Uh, when that starts happening, you'll see uh, a whole influx of new technology. Yes, I can only imagine, just listening to you so far, you've mentioned two cities germane to the United States and not even mentioning Flint. <laughs> uh, how about agriculture and discussing water droughts in California? What are the effects there as well? Uh, well, it's, it's interesting. There was a really, um, at the height of the drought in California, which is now over, uh, it looks like, or you know, over for uh, 2015, 2016, um, at, you know, when they were in the... Uh, the, the midst of this major drought they've had for the past four years, they convened a desalination conference. Uh, and at that conference, all the, the leaders from around the world in, in, the, in that industry gathered and met with the governor and met with uh, all the big municipalities in California. And everyone walked away from that event saying, uh, you know, despite the fact that California does have one major desal plant, they said they'll probably never do this again. Um, and it's because in California, there's so many regulations um, to get a desalination plant up and running. It can take up to a decade for, for a major new plant to come online. Um, so I think on, on that front, California is not going to uh, be a leader, unfortunately. Um, but they are going the conservation route. Uh, the only problem with that is that conservation is, uh, is, is uh, necessary, but not sufficient to, to solve the problem. Uh, and so that's that's going to be California's challenge. Um, I can't predict the weather, so I don't know what's going to happen um, three, four years out, whether they're going to be in drought again or not. Uh, but for the time being, they've kind of escaped um, because of a, a strong uh, El Nino, I think. Well, you know, but sticking with that theme for, with California specifically, you know, agriculture, those farmers need to have water. And the cascading effect seems to be if you don't have water, I can see that there's going to be effect on some on food prices. Is that uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and actually, you, you've hit on um, one of the key ways to invest in water. And one of the ways that uh, some of the smartest investors I know have been playing water has, has been in, in sort of uh, food and beverage space uh, in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, investing in, um, you know, ag in the form of, you know, livestock or other very uh, water intensive, um, uh, you know, water intensive activities. That's where you can um, you can capture the value of water through virtual water, uh, and and that's another way to invest in the space. Uh, we prefer to do it directly, uh, but there are a number of investors that uh, that are very bullish on water who um, who will make those investments in the food, beverage, and agriculture spaces. Okay, and now reverse osmosis. Uh, talk to listeners about that process and, and the pros and cons to that. So in, in reverse osmosis, this is a, it's, this is the technology that um, has been around the longest um, in uh, in you know, in, in terms of desalination technologies. Uh, you've got reverse osmosis and you have um, distillation, flash distillation, which is uh, the other the other major um, commercial form of desalination. Uh, and, and the places where that are the driest use the use these two technologies the most. Uh, so reverse osmosis is a uh, is, is a membrane uh, where water is pushed at you know basically high velocity uh, and the salt um, you know the salt basically um, you know stays on one side of the membrane and the rest of the water goes through the other uh, yeah you know, go, goes to the other side and you're supposed to have fresh water at the end. Um, in distillation, uh, what you do is you basically steam the water and the salt falls out that way. Um, so there are two ways of doing it. Um, they're both effective. Uh, they both cost more or less the same. 
Um, and the Middle East is where those two technologies are the most widely used. Uh, yeah, it, I, I think um, you know, it depends on uh, you know, the, the salinity and, and exactly where you are, but uh, I'd say they're both equally effective. Um, and you know, our, in terms of our portfolio, we have both types of technologies. Um, and again, these have been around for a while now. Uh, they were pioneered by the Israelis uh, about 25, 30 years ago. Um, and you know, it's still it's still the number one way uh, to um, you know to build large scale uh, desalination plants. Um, there's a lot of new stuff out there. Um, nanotechnology is being explored uh, with respect to desalination, um, but nothing. There's been no breakthrough yet that's been widely commercialized. Wasn't there a, I believe it was a state, and I may be incorrect on this, but California, where they, uh, the government or the citizens were opposing uh, that process, more or less, the reverse osmosis, because the salt was going to kill uh, uh, saltwater fish. Am I correct? You are correct, uh, although California is incorrect that that would be a result of, uh, of desalination. It's really, um, you know, making a salty ocean a little bit saltier uh, is not going to have any major impact on uh, fish populations. And it hasn't in the, in the places where this is um, most widespread, i.e. the Persian Gulf. Um, yeah, there's no, there, there's been no major impact uh, from that salt being, um, you know, go, from that brine basically going back into the ocean. I mean, if you, if you, um, if you were to try a cup of brine from a desalination plant and drink it, it's very similar to the salinity you get in, uh, in a normal, you know, salt water ocean. Uh, so it's, it's not really, um, I, I, that's been over dramatized, uh, by, 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 um, by environmentalists and others, uh, it's really the, the impact uh, is is de minimis in, in my view. And uh, again, we have assets that do exactly that, and it's not um, not a, not really a concern of ours in the places where we we operate. Well, thank you for giving us a, a good global perspective on on water, on the uh, supply and demand fundamentals for water. Uh, before we delve into your company, Water Fund LLC, would you please share what are water rights? So water rights, uh, a, a water right is uh, an entitlement to uh, a particular uh, source of uh, generally fresh water supply. Uh, and the, the laws surrounding water rights differ everywhere you go. Uh, and in the, uh, in the US, for example, every state has its own, um, you know, has different uh, laws with respect to what, how they define what a water right is. Uh, so in Texas, if you own the land, you own everything below the land, as we know from the, the, uh, the oil, oil sector. And uh, same, same is true in, uh, in, in water. If there's water below your land, you own that water. Uh, in Colorado, that's not the case. Um, you have to, it's, a very, it's very complex, um, where if you, were, if, you, if you had an entitlement 130 years ago to that water, your right is senior to a right that came 30 years or 50 years after you. Um, so it, it's just different everywhere you go. Uh, the, the places in the world where water rights are um, valued the highest and trade, you know, and, and there's actually significant private ownership of those water rights, it's where the legislation is the clearest. Uh, and so you'll find, as I said, you know, in the United States, Texas is a good example of that. Um, but around the world, uh, Australia has by far the best water rights 
uh, legislation, which actually allow you to, to trade the, the, the water rights. Um, there's a marketplace uh, for those rights. Um, and another country, Chile, has a, has, has a great framework for private ownership of water rights. So um, it's just an entitlement to, uh, to a flow of water. Uh, could be from uh, you know, the Colorado River. It could be from uh, you know, the Murray-Darling uh, water basin in Australia. Um, it's, you know, it's, um, uh, but you know, in general, it's, um, there, there's no universal definition as to what a water right is. <laughs> so that's, that makes it complicated, unfortunately. No, I truly appreciate the uh, the definition for it. Now, are water rights easy for investors to procure? Uh, water rights are not easy, uh, and the reason is that there's so, as I said, there's so many different laws with respect to what a water right is, uh, and w what your entitlement is to that water, what you can do with that water. That uh, I, it is not recommendable for a, um, uh, a a retail investor or really any investor that's not an expert in this area. Uh, to to just start trying to buy water rights. Um, again, there uh, eventually the reason you buy a water right is either to um, develop it uh, and turn it into a source of supply and sell the water, or to, to hold on to it for a long period of time and hope that its value goes up. Um, I, I think that you know either strategy um, entails quite a bit of time, uh, and so for an investor that is looking to you know earn a return in in water that's probably not the best way to do it in the short term. Um, in the long term, it could prove to be a very, uh, a very good strategy, but um, it depends on what you're looking for in, in that kind of investment. Um, the way we operate is we always like to attach a, um, a, a supply asset to that, um, to that water right. So if we're buying water rights, we will only do it if there's a way to uh, bring that water to uh, you know, to a buyer, to an off-taker who's going to uh, purchase the water. Okay. Two-fold question for you, if I may. Now, I realize that water rights aren't the crux of your business, but at what price is Waterfund LLC procuring water rights? And from a valuation standpoint, how much of a discount is that? Um, well, there's no uh, simple answer to, to that question. Um, you know, water, the, the value of water differs, uh, as we know from our index, uh, Everywhere you go. Uh, so, in terms of you know, at what value are we buying water? Uh, we always, you know, we follow our own data, which tells us exactly what the um, break-even price for water is in you know most major cities in the world. So, for example, in New York, uh, it's about 40. You know, if, if you own a water right in Manhattan, which we don't, but if you did, uh, you know, 40 uh, cents per cubic meter, which is the unit we use, is the break-even price for water. In a place like Singapore, it's two dollars and fifty cents uh, per cubic meter, just by by way of comparison. Uh, for the water we own in the Middle East, um, Saudi Arabia, our break-even price is about five dollars per cubic meter. Um, so again, Saudi Arabia ten times what the water's worth in New York City, uh, which makes sense. You know, uh, New York City's uh, fed by the uh, water abundant Catskill Mountains and and uh, Saudi Arabia is in the middle of a desert. So, um, so you know, just to give you sort of the relative value of water around the world, that's kind of a, you know, just a few examples. Okay. Now, at what locations does Waterfront LLC have water? Uh, we own uh, water primarily in very uh, dry, <laughs> dry parts of the world. Um, and right now, our portfolio is mostly concentrated uh, in the Middle East. Um, and the reason for that is that that's where 
we can earn the highest price for water. So as investors, that's where we uh, have allocated capital, and that's where most of our assets are. Uh, and and most of it's in desalination, um, you know, uh, uh, mid-sized desalination plants um, in countries like Qatar, Saudi Arabia. Uh, we've started investing in Africa. Um, so you know, places where there's there's really uh, a supply demand imbalance. Um, we would like to invest more in the United States, um, but and we view California as a as a great opportunity. But until a lot of the uh, regulatory framework changes, it's not that investor friendly uh, for, for people like us right now. Well, strategically speaking, where you currently have your locations, it seems brilliant. <laughs> now, may I ask you this as well? Are there any reversionary interest for those locations or are they 100% owned? Um, good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we operate in, in countries where, you know, foreign ownership can be, can be difficult sometimes. Um, in, in our case, we, we do um, fully own our, our plants. Um, all of our plants in, in that part of the world are, are wholly owned by Water Fund. Uh, so, um, yeah, but we, we, yeah, we do rely on a number of different uh, partners to operate the plants. And, um, but in terms of ownership, uh, we've been able to uh, you know, secure you know, and get comfortable with um, you know, basically foreign ownership in, in those countries. Okay. Now, uh, you, you've touched on it, but I'd like to just get a little bit deeper in breath in depth, if we may. What is your company, Water Fund LLC, LLC, I'm sorry, doing to address all of these global matters? And, and why is it imperative for investors to have a position in Water Fund LLC? Well, I would say water in general is, a, uh, is an asset in which, um, you know, in the 21st century, everybody should have a position. And the reason is simply that uh, if you look at commodities across the board, natural resources across the board, um, we're in a period of generally lower global growth. And in, in that environment, you're not going to have the big jumps in um, the price of oil or the price of uh, copper or iron ore that we've been uh, accustomed to. Uh, it's just, you know, again, lo lower global growth is not going to lead to the kind of returns you've seen in other natural resources. Um, water's different, and that's exactly why um, everyone should have a position in water, because uh, the demand for water uh, doesn't fluctuate the way it does for, um, you know, iron ore, uh, first of all. It's, it's demand, you know, inelastic. In, in and secondly, um, in a low growth environment, uh, even, you know, even if the world is, you know, is growing, you know, 1% 1, 1 GDP growth a year, um, doesn't matter in water. Water is, a, is very population sensitive as opposed to, um, uh, you know, growth sensitive. And that means there's still going to be huge demand for new infrastructure and new water supply assets uh, for a very long time. Uh, and in, 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 the, in Europe and the United States, we have very old infrastructure. Uh, there's no getting around the fact that that's going to need to be replaced, and it's going to take a lot of investor capital to do so. Uh, and in places like uh, the developing world, Africa, India, et cetera, you've got um, new projects that need to be built to supply uh, billions of, of people that need access to fresh water. So I'd say the, uh, you know, for, for those macro reasons, everyone should have some kind of position in water. Uh, the reality is that almost no one is, is invested in water today. Very few private investors are, are in water. Uh, and so I see uh, you know, a, a pretty significant gap there. Um, and companies like 
uh, mine, uh, Water Fund, are, are you know, have developed retail level, uh, accredited investor level um, products for uh, you know to, to get access to these kinds of uh, investments. You know, I completely concur with your statement there with uh, the lack of investment per se right now in water. I'm, I speak specifically with uh, natural resource investors all the time, and they're not even aware of the opportunity and potential and the stewardship of having water. So again, thank you for clarifying that. Now for an investor, if they wanted to participate in Water Fund LLC, what's the criteria? Uh, currently, we um, accredited investors can invest in any of our uh, projects, and we've um, We've, we actually have quite a broad platform um, that allows you know, you know, relatively um, you know, affordable invest, investment units to be purchased. Um, you know, for as little as uh, $5,000, you can be an investor in one of our projects. Um, and we've, we've structured them in a way that you know, we've, we've, um, we've really tried to make it as, as easy as possible to, to get access to these kinds of projects. Um, and our site, uh, worldswaterfund.com, allows investors to open accounts and, uh, and, and get started uh, and see what kind of projects they'd, they'd like to have an allocation to. Okay. Now, realizing that Waterfront, Waterfront, I'm sorry, LLC, only allows accredited investors to participate in the fund, are you able to share company financials or must investors qualify before disclosure? Um, Good, uh, good question. Uh, investors have to rep an investor has to be accredited before we can um, uh, before we can proceed. Unfortunately, uh, and that's uh, that's the SEC's rule, not ours. <laughs> but, no, but, uh, we understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we, we uh, I think um, you, know, you hit on a, a more important point, which is you know at what point will there be a better product out there than say just the ETFs that allow you to invest in you know GE and Siemens and other big companies. Um, you know when when is there going to be a pure kind of water product out there that really gives you the um, true return and true value of water um, that has yet to be developed. Uh, and so you know we're working on it. Other people are working on it. Um, but it's been uh, it, it's a challenge because water is not as simple as it uh, as it sounds. Um, but you know we we've done. Uh, as much as we can at this point to make water uh, uh, available to uh, to those investors. Mr. Rickards, what makes you qualified for the task of leading Water Fund LLC? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, so prior to starting Water Fund, I uh, worked for the Dubai government, um, which was an, an, in an interesting job because uh, you know Dubai has a sovereign fund. Um, and they were invested in number of you know, a whole bunch of things around the world, uh, including uh, natural resources. Um, and so I was prior to starting Water Fund, I my role was to seek out natural resource investments for a very water short uh, government. Um, and so I explored all kinds of things prior to uh, starting Water Fund. Uh, I spent uh, two weeks on a boat in uh, Patagonia. Um, buying, you know, what were effectively waterfalls, you know, in in, uh, in the middle of nowhere um, for um, for a Middle Eastern government, uh, and so that's that was my background going into this, and uh, it has served me it has served me well um, in terms of uh, you know, developing the right kinds of projects for Waterfront. Well, it sounds very interesting. That's a very colorful background there. In closing. Mr. Rickards, what is the best way for listeners to contact you and keep up with the latest exciting developments of Water Fund LLC? 
Uh, our site, uh, worldswaterfund.com, uh, has information on our projects, our investments, and uh, contact information. So I would encourage anyone who's interested uh, in water as an investment to visit the site, and um, you can open an account uh, online with Waterfund. Mr. Scott Rickards, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you, Maurice. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.